Holy shit, that son of a gun did it. He actually did it. It was a long shot, but by God he did it. Wait, is that John? My neighbour? By God, this is a small world. Last time I seen him, he dicked me around. I shit you not, he kept me in the dark and dicked me around for a while. If he gets too close to me, I might start swinging and sure we'll see what happens. Good morning, you beautiful people. Welcome to the Little Seal English Podcast. This is part three of Murphy's Law. If you haven't, go back and listen to part one and two before you listen to this episode. It will make a lot more sense if you do. In that opening segment, there was a lot of random English, and guess what? That is the random English that we're going to focus on in this episode. In this episode, we talk about layovers. We talk about Chicago or Chicago. We talk about delays. We talk about how when you're Irish, it is a very, very small world. I talk about a long shot, music to my ears, to start swinging. That's many meanings. To be kept in the dark, to shit you not, to dick around, a long shot and a son of a gun. So everyone, grab a pen and paper, grab a coffee, grab a beer, grab a joint, sit back, relax and get ready for Murphy's Law Part 3. Here we go. In Part 1 and Part 2 of this story, I explained how I was on my way home to Ireland for Christmas. First, I went to Vancouver and had a horrible sleep. Then I was woken up very rudely by a woman, and I may have lost my cool with her. And now we're here. Part 3 of Murphy's Law. And the title of this episode is Ronin Visits Chicago, folks. Remember, Murphy's Law is basically everything that can go wrong will go wrong. This part of the story takes place just after arriving to Chicago from Vancouver. So because it's winter, there's no direct flights between Vancouver and Dublin. There are flights via London and then Dublin. There are flights which have one layover, two or three layovers, it just depends. But there's no direct flight from Vancouver to Dublin. Generally speaking, whenever I go to Ireland, it's usually from Kelowna to Vancouver or some other big city and then I cross the Atlantic. In the past, I've gone from Kelowna to Calgary, Kelowna to Edmonton, Kelowna Toronto, to Kelowna Vancouver, and from those places, I've gone on to Dublin. Once or twice, I think it was Kelowna, Toronto, Toronto, Newfoundland, Newfoundland, Dublin, which is an absolute pain. Anywho, generally speaking, whenever I go back, there's at least one layover. And uh, that was the situation for this trip. Just one little short layover in the beautiful city of Chicago. Chicago or Chicago? I've always had trouble pronouncing this. And it's specifically an Irish thing. So the city's name is spelt C-H-I-C-A-G-O. And for some reason in Ireland, we like to say Chicago. Chicago. I do believe the pronunciation is Chicago, so I'm going to try my best to say it. Please do not laugh at me. 
Um, I actually looked up some random facts about this beautiful city. And fact number one, Chicago is home to the very first skyscraper ever built. It was completed in 1885 and it was the first building to use a steel frame method. And it was 10 stories high. 10 stories high, folks. That was the world's biggest skyscraper in 1885. That building has since been demolished, and that was demolished in 1931. Fact number two. Chicago is known as the Windy City. But the nickname actually has nothing to do with the city's weather. The term was first coined by New York City journalists in the 1800s to describe the city's politicians who were seen as full of hot air. And if you're full of hot air, you're going to be windy, folks. And you're going to be angry and outspoken, maybe. So the nickname, the Windy City, has nothing to do with weather. Number three. Chicago has the largest public library system in the USA. It has 81 branches and serves over 10 million visitors. That's pretty cool. Libraries are amazing, amazing, amazing places. Wonders can be done in libraries. If you do not have a library card, go get one and check out your local library. Number four. Chicago is home to the only river in the world that flows backward. Yes. The Chicago River was originally designed to flow into Lake Michigan, but in the late 1800s, the city reversed the river's flow to prevent sewage and pollution from flowing into the lake. Talk about man interfering with nature. And number five, Chicago is a major hub for transportation with the busiest airport in the world by number of takeoffs and landings, O'Hare International Airport handles 83 million passengers every single year and has direct flights to over 200 destinations worldwide. And lucky me, that's the airport I'm in. Literally the busiest airport in the world. What could go wrong? Nothing, right? Right? Anyway, um, just before I was listing off those facts about Chicago, I mentioned the uh, I had a layover. So you can call it a layover, a connection, a connecting flight, or a transfer. You know, there's a many different ways to say it. So I have a short layover in Chicago, and then I have a direct flight. I have a connecting flight in Chicago, and then I have a direct flight. I think I have a transfer in Chicago, and then it's a direct flight non-stop to Dublin. So a few, uh, a few different ways of talking about it there. All right, so, you know, I was quite nervous on this layover. Because it was short. It was only like two hours. And on top of that, I had to switch terminals and go through US security again. I was panicked. I was worried I wasn't going to make it. My anxiety levels were rising and I was thinking, I'm going to miss my flight. Now, if you miss a flight, it's not a major worry. You know, the airline have to honor your ticket and they have to get you to your final destination. That's if the mistake is on their end. If the mistake is on your end, it's one thing. If you're just sitting in the bar and that's why you miss your flight, I don't know what the rules are there. But if I did not make it to my flight on time, there wouldn't have been an issue. I'd be put on the next available flight. However, it's Christmas. There's not many available flights around. That's the problem. Given that Chicago Airport, as we said earlier, is one of the busiest airports in the world, I knew my two-hour connection was a bit of a long shot in terms of me making it. 
you know, I had to change terminals and that's the kicker in the story. Changing terminals always takes a long time. I was going from terminal two to terminal five and there was a train, thankfully, I didn't have to run the entire way. That's how big this airport is. There's a train in the airport going from terminal to terminal to terminal. It's it's wild, folks. It is absolutely huge. Um, if, you, if you've ever seen Home Alone, that's the airport they're in, in Home Alone. So I mentioned there how I felt it was a bit of a long shot having less than two hours to make my connection. Um, a long shot is something highly unlikely to succeed. You know, it's a long shot, but let's try and hope for the best. So me making my connection, my transfer, my connecting flight was a long shot. But by God, do I love a long shot. Because it means you have, a, you have a chance. You don't have a huge chance, but you have a chance. And that chance is all you need. I love it when something is a long shot, but you still get it done. That's a great feeling. All right, where was I? Ah, yes, yes, yes. Arriving to Chicago. So we touched down. I look out the window and um, it was quite interesting because there was an airplane on the runway surrounded by police, fire and ambulances. It was a sight to see, folks. The entire runway was covered in flashing lights. I don't, I didn't really care because I was on a mission to go from Terminal 2 to Terminal 5 as quick as possible, but it was still pretty cool. I've never seen that before. Just one plane surrounded by all the different uh, emergency services. So I kind of wondered what happened. Anyways, here we go. The plane lands. We taxi to the gate. I am one of the first people to get off the plane, to disembark the plane, to exit the plane. I sprint into Terminal 2. I look left. I look right. I see an employee. Hey, sir, how do I get to Terminal 5? I shout. That way, sir, he pointed. And off I ran. It was at this moment I summoned my inner Olympic athlete and I sprinted across the airport. I dodged every obstacle as it appeared. Suitcases became hurdles. Children became targets for my knees. Adults were pushed on my arms and the elderly were shouldered to the ground. I somersaulted over bags and I hopped onto the airport train. I really felt like I was going to make it. I could taste the gin and tonic they were going to serve me on the plane. I was ready to get off at Terminal 5 and rush through security to make my flight on time. I get to Terminal 5. The train pulls up. The doors slowly open. I am first off the train. I run up the escalator. I turn the corner for security and boom. Huge line at security. At this stage, there was nothing I could do. I just had to wait and be patient. It is what it is. Here's a tip for y'all. Do not fuck around in airport security lines. There's generally little to nothing you can do to make it go faster. Furthermore, I was now in the USA, and they are a very policed country there. They are a country that takes airport security far more seriously than most other countries, rightfully so, given their history. I log into the Wi-Fi at the airport and got a text from my dad. My flight was delayed by 20 minutes. Music to my ears. Absolute music. You know, if something is music to your ears, it means you just received some really, really, really good news. 
Something happened and you couldn't be happier. We generally use a phrase in response to some good news that we hear. That is music to my ears or that was music to my ears. And sometimes we don't even say that. We just use the verb be. Or we don't even use the verb be. We just say music to my ears. Imagine you're in college and you have an essay coming up and, you know, you're pretty stressed about it. And then the professor decides to give you an extension for your assignment. That's when you can say music to my ears. Another thing you should do is go back and listen to the part where I arrived at the airport. It's super important because notice the grammar I used. It was mostly in the present tense. Why? Well, I think I've spoken about this before in my podcast. But when you're telling the story and you want to be super engaging, we generally use the present simple. We use the present simple as it really helps the listener, you, build a vivid picture of what I'm saying. It includes you more and, generally speaking, gets you more invested in what the speaker is saying. So if you're going to tell someone an anecdote or a story, don't be afraid to mix in some present tense in your story, especially for the exciting parts. Back to my story. I got the text from my dad. I read the flight was delayed by 20 minutes. I was incredibly happy, able to breathe again. It made me feel optimistic about making my connection, about making the final leg of my journey. I get through security. I get to my gate with one or two minutes to spare. Phew! I was all set to board. And then it began. Do you remember? At the start of this, of this segment, I mentioned how I looked out the airplane window upon arrival and noticed that there was a plane on the runway that was surrounded by police, fire and ambulance. Well, turns out that was a plane I was due to fly on. There was a hydraulic issue with the plane. What is a hydraulic issue, I hear you saying? No idea. I'm an English teacher, not a fucking aircraft mechanic. All I know is that a hydraulic issue is something serious enough to stop the plane from flying. From flying, excuse me, to stop the plane from flying. This explained the 20 minute, 20 minute delay, which I was originally happy about, but little did I know what this issue really meant. That 20 minute delay was then increased by about an hour. You know, the person came on the intercom and said, We're very sorry for the inconvenience, but flight. E1 whatever is delayed by another hour. So what do you do in an airport when you're on holiday mode when your flight's delayed by an hour? What? Well, of course you go to the bar. Where else are you going to go? It's a fucking airport. I mean, you could read or something, but I had that holiday buzz. Remember holiday buzz or holiday mode in part one or two? I can't remember which. Yeah, I'm still in that zone. And I'm ready to just have a few drinks. And folks, this is where I can now talk about the benefits of being Irish. Now, I'm going to let you in on a secret. I don't know how you'll feel about it. But being Irish has many, many, many perks. For instance, we're all handsome or beautiful bastards. We're fucking hilarious. But most of all, we know how to make the best of a bad situation, probably because we've had so many bad situations in the past. When I'm in airports, I do enjoy playing the game, 
It's called Spot the Irish. And it's a game where I just look around the airport and try to identify other Irish people. Because let me tell you now, there are Irish people everywhere. For such a small country, we have a huge diaspora. That's a nice word, diaspora. And diaspora is just the people of your country who have left. So I'm a member of the Irish diaspora in Canada. And so any airport you go to, any town you go to, there's probably an Irish bar and there's probably one or two Irish people lurking around. So I'm in the airport, I'm looking around, I get to the airport bar and I spot some Irish people. It did not take long. I go over, we have a tiny wee chat and of course I sit down and proceed to have a drink or two with my newfound Irish friends. Give it five minutes and another person joins us who, guess what? Also from Ireland. Five more minutes and we have a whole party going on. We got a table the length of the bar just full of Irish people in Chicago airport. You know, we're all sharing stories of our travels. We're all trying to figure out who knows who and who is from where. And of course, we are all buzzed and excited because we're flying home for Christmas and you can't beat a Christmas in Ireland. You really can't. It's the best thing ever. Now, I mentioned there how we were trying to figure out who is from where and who knows who. And that's a typical Irish thing. The most typical Irish question you're ever going to hear is, do you know blah blah from blah blah? Do you know Ronan from Sligo? Do you know John from Cork? Do you know Aoife from Galway? Something like that. Now, you'd probably use their second name as well. But you see, we are a small country. A country of only four million beautiful people. Maybe it's more now. Maybe five or six, I think. We're still beautiful, don't worry. But that question of, do you know so-and-so from wherever, is quite popular and usually turns up some result. And as it turns out... There was a guy there from Sligo, my hometown, and we compared our friends list and found out we have several friends in common. So that's one connection. But the connection that blew my mind came from the man I was sitting beside. A lad from Dublin. Dublin is the capital of Ireland, so he's a dub. D-U-B. Dub is the term we use to refer to people from Dublin. That or asshole, one or the other. So me and this dub, we got talking. He tells me he has spent some time out in the west of Ireland. Well, the west is my stomping ground. That's where I grew up. I ask him where. Westport, he says. Fuck off, says I, in disbelief. No, 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 not really Westport. A little town outside Westport, he says. Go on, says I. Uh, You wouldn't know it, he says. Go on, says I. Ahagower, says he. My jaw drops. No way. No way. I say that again. I said, you must be fucking with me. This guy, I met in Chicago airport, tells me he not only spent time in the west of Ireland, but spent time in a tiny little village called Ahagower. He has family from this tiny little village called Ahagower. His uncle, his father, his aunt are all from Ahagower. Ahagower has a population of about 800 people and that is on a very busy day. I was in disbelief at this. You want to know why I was in disbelief? Well, before I tell you why, I'd like to tell you some facts about Ahagower. And first, how you spell it. 
A-U-G-H-A-G-O-W-E-R. Ahagower. Just so you can see why I was in such disbelief. Ahagower is a tiny village located in the west of Ireland outside a bigger town called Westport. Ahagower's population is currently 800 people and at its highest was over 10,000 people. That is also crazy. Ahagower has three pubs, a shop, a post office and a church. Ahagower is a tiny, tiny, tiny remote village that not too many people know of. You may be asking yourself, why the fuck is Ronan talking about this tiny village that not even Irish people know of? Well, the simple reason is that this son of a gun who I just met in Chicago airport, his father, his uncle, his aunt are from where? Ahagower. My father is from Ahagower. My father and his uncle were best friends in school. And here we are, two strangers, happen to sit next to each other in a bar in Chicago airport. Neither of us live in Chicago and we end up having very strong ties to a tiny remote village in the west of Ireland. It is a small world, folks. A small world. That is a beautiful idiom. And we use this when we're surprised at meeting a person or discovering a connection in a distant place with a person. So for me, my father is from Ahagower, a tiny remote village in Ireland. I sit beside this man in Chicago and his uncle is from the same town. His dad, uh, his uncle and my dad were best friends growing up. That's a small world. Have you ever had an encounter like that, where you met a person from your hometown in a remote country? Or you met someone with a connection to your hometown abroad. When you're Irish, it's always a small world. We are a small country, but by God, we are everywhere. Anywhere you go, you will meet someone from Ireland. I shit you not, folks. I shit you not. We'll talk about that in a moment. (laughs) Alright, so, where are we? Uh, In Chicago Airport, the delays keep coming. People are getting notified via email, via text message or something. I'm not getting any notifications because I'm, I am I booked it through a partner airline. Future tip, do not book through partner airlines. And, you know, it was fun at first. We're sitting in the bar. We're, we're having fun. We're all chatting. And then the one hour delay turned into two hours, turned into three hours, turned into four. Four hours turned into five hours. At this point, I couldn't afford to sit in the bar anymore. I mean, who the fuck can? It's an airport bar. Some of the girls there are getting emotional. They were drinking too much wine and then the tears start flowing. And I'm just like, no, fuck this. I'm dipping out of this. You know, (laughs) it seems to be a common theme in my journey home. People getting too drunk in bars and just being annoying. So these chicks get too drunk. We're all getting pissed off. We're all at the end of our tether. We're, we're angry. We're furious. We're, we're not even sure what's happening. You know, we're being kept in the dark. You know, we were never told what was um, the plan. We were never told if we were going to have a new plane come in and take us. If we could hop on a different plane home. We were kept in the dark. I honestly thought there was one South African guy who was going to start, like, start swinging at people. I really thought he was. He was getting so worked up and angry. Now, he was getting angry at the people at the desk, which I don't agree with. It's not their fault. They can't do much. 
But in that situation, I can see where he got frustrated. Whilst I don't agree with it, I honestly thought he was going to start swinging. <sighs> so, eight hours later. Eight hours. And then they come to us with another announcement. And they say, we're going to put you up in a hotel for the night. The flight has been cancelled. No. After eight hours of sitting in that fucking airport, they're now just going to put us up in a fucking hotel? They couldn't have done that five hours ago? I know what you're saying. Hotel. Amazing. Free hotel. But I did not care. I just wanted to get home at this stage. I was so pissed. I was tired. I wasn't happy. I was smelly. I felt gross. I hadn't eaten anything substantial. My patience was running thin. I just wanted to get home to see my wife and my family. It was shit. Once they cancelled their flight, everyone had to leave the departures lounge and get into a long queue to be put into a hotel. About two hours later, I get to the hotel. So this is like 10 hours after I arrive in Chicago airport and I'm only getting to a hotel now. You know, good news though. We got a $40 voucher for food. Hooray. Bad news. The fucking kitchen is closed. I shit you not, my friends. The kitchen closed like one minute after I checked into the hotel. We can order food to the hotel on like Skip the Dishes or one of those websites. But the $40 does not cover it because it's not hotel food. There was a tiny snack shop in the hotel. And I went to bed with a fucking Reese's cup in my belly. A Reese's cup is a tiny American candy of chocolate and peanut butter. I was livid. I was pissed. I was upset. I was emotional. I was smelly. I felt filthy. I was tired. I was overtired. I was cranky. I was not in a mood to talk to people. I had been on the road for like over 24 hours. My journey was only meant to take 17 hours. I was at the end of my rope. My patience wasn't running thin. It was gone. I got into my hotel room and I screamed. And it felt good. I got the pillow and I screamed into my pillow. I was that frustrated. First time I've ever done that. I'm not going to lie. It will not be the last. It will do absolute wonders. Like, when you release a scream, I'm sure there's a lot of science behind it. I'm sure there's a lot of... um statistics or research done on this topic but screaming it does help you kind of like calm down and let out that anger and I had a lot of anger I mean I just wanted to get home now I mentioned in that segment how I was at the end of my rope and that just means like you have no patience at all which is kind of like the theme of this podcast and the previous one you know you've no energy or patience to cope with something anymore Almost like you uh, accept defeat. So you're at the end of your rope. You're unable to cope anymore. Take note of some of the adjectives in that list. Livid. Super, super angry. Pissed, upset, emotional. You know emotional? When a person has feelings that are easily excited and are openly displayed. I was very emotional at that stage. When, when you get really tired, you'll be emotional. If you get too drunk, you might be emotional. If you're on your period or you're pregnant, you might be more emotional than usual. 
But yeah, those are all good adjectives, so um, add those to your Anki cards or your vocabulary lists. Now, I know what you're thinking, or you may be thinking, first world problems and all that shit. But like, come on, man, the airport or the airline completely dicked us around. You know, they kept telling us that we would be departing in an hour. Oh, more information in 20 minutes. Come back in two hours. Meanwhile, the information never came. They kept kicking the can. They kept delaying the information. Yeah, yeah, it was fun meeting other Irish people, having a bit of a party in the airport. That would have been fine if our plane actually left the fucking airport. I mean, I was on the phone for hours with the airline, trying to just secure passage home the next day. It took so long to get through to anyone. And when I did, I got my ticket. And I was going to be departing Chicago at 7am. Bearing in mind, it's like 1 or 2am right now. And guess what? My new journey home was via motherfucking Miami. The other fucking side of the motherfucking USA. Man, I can feel myself getting pumped up right now just just re re um retelling the story you know i can feel my anger boiling <laughs> and um I-, I tried to sleep that night i couldn't sleep well you know i had to get up super early to get back to the airport for my new flight and um yeah well next morning i wake up i go downstairs for breakfast in the hotel thankfully they gave us a 20 dollar voucher for breakfast i checked the menu I order what, like an orange juice, a coffee, a breakfast sandwich? I tell him I have a voucher for $20. He tells me he's going to come to $26. I say, what? The fucking orange juice was $6. $6 for a glass of motherfucking orange juice. I'm sorry for all the swears. I'm very angry right now. <laughs> I ask him to take it back. And... I I just told him I can't afford it right now. And I told him about my journey. And I told him how depressed I was. And how I just want to get home. I started to unload on him. And eventually the manager just came out. And he gave it to me on the house. So that, that was nice of the manager. So generous to give me a $6 glass of carton orange juice. I got my breakfast sandwich. And folks, it was the most... Sorry looking breakfast sandwich known to man. Utterly horrible. Disgusting. It looks sad. I think this breakfast sandwich wanted to kill itself. Have you ever been given food that just didn't look happy? Like legit, the sandwich looked like it was just going to throw itself into the garbage and be done. Sorry looking food. That's such an informal way of describing food. Describing food that looks very unappetizing or very unattractive. You know, it suggests that the food appears pitiful. And it's not going to be enjoyed by anyone. Like, maybe the dog might have eaten it, but I don't even know if the dog would have eaten it. I fucking did, because I was hungry. So the term sorry in this context is used to express pity or sympathy for the food. Oh, he's a sorry-looking man over there, he is. You know, I feel sorry for him. And I could say the same about my sandwich. That's a sorry-looking sandwich. My heart goes out to the person that has to eat that sandwich. So, sorry-looking food is a very colourful and informal way to describe food that is not visually appealing. 
you know, you're you're very dissatisfied. All right. Oh my God, we've been here 30 minutes? Jesus. All right, I'm going to focus on some of the English now, like get into the, the, the teaching part of this podcast. And uh, seven phrases I'd like to talk about. Number one, start swinging. Two, to keep you in the dark. Three, to shit you not. Four, to dick around. Five, a long shot. Six, son of a gun. And seven, a little bit more about it's a small world. Because I got another great story about that. So number one, to start swinging. Yes, to swing has many, many meanings, my friends. Um, To swing can be like at a playground when you're on a swing and you go from side to side. However, in this story, I wasn't referring to that type of swinging. I was referring to punching. And I was saying how there was a South African man. He was drunk. He was shouting at people. And it seemed like he was going to start punching people because he was angry. It seemed like he was going to start swinging. You know, you can just say he was ready to start swinging. He was ready to start throwing his hands. He was ready to start punching people. Have you ever been in a club? And seeing two people just start swinging at each other. You know, it's usually by surprise. Or like there might be two people who could be squaring up to each other. You know, they're facing each other in what appears to be anger. It's tense. You can you can feel the tension in the air. And then suddenly, one of them just throws a punch. And then the other guy throws a punch back. And then they really start 100% fighting. You can say, I was at the bar. And these two guys just started swinging at each other. Thankfully, he did not start swinging, as if he did, he would probably have ended up in jail, and you would accomplish very little if you just start swinging at a person anyways. Um, Swinging, like I said, has many meanings. You can swing a bag in your hand from one side to the other. You can swing with your wife or your husband where you start fucking other couples. Swing, many, many meanings, folks. So look up, start swinging, and see what hits you get. (laughs) Uh, The next one is to be kept in the dark. And um, it's an idiom. And it means that you are deliberately being kept uninformed and you're unaware of something. You know, it really suggests that it has been intentional and you're left out of the loop and you're excluded from knowledge or information that is relevant. So we all felt like we were kept in the dark. We felt that Aer Lingus knew this plane wasn't going to fly. You know, I'm sure the uh, mechanic told them what happened. And as a result of that, and because they didn't relay the information, because they didn't tell us, I really felt like we were kept in the dark. You know, if you're at work, you know, this phrase can be used in relationships, business, politics, and personal matters. I felt kept in the dark about the company's financial situation. He was kept in the dark about his husband's affair for months, for example. The phrase does have negative connotations. You know, it does imply a lack of transparency and openness, and it can really lead to feelings of mistrust or betrayal. Collocations, to keep someone in the dark about something. Oh, I was kept in the dark about blah, 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 blah. My husband kept me in the dark about his debt. My wife kept me in the dark about her affair. Of course she did. It's a fucking affair. What do you expect? but to keep in the dark about. Another one is just to keep someone in the dark. And that's you. You know, I've been keeping him in the dark. I do not need him to know what's happening right now. You could also say to be left in the dark. That's another one. So I was left in the dark. I quit my job. 
I was so pissed off, I felt like I was left in the dark. Have you ever felt like you were kept in the dark about something? Have you ever felt that someone was keeping you in the dark? You know, they're not telling you something deliberately. That is to keep a person in the dark. I hate it. All right, to shit you not, this, oh my God, I love this one. I absolutely love this one. And it's a way of saying, I am not joking. I am completely 100% serious. That is what this phrase means. I mentioned how I arrived to the hotel 10 hours after getting into uh, Chicago airport. I'm hungry. I haven't really eaten much. I've had a few beers and that's it. The food was way overpriced and stuff. And I had a $40 voucher for the hotel kitchen. And I'm thinking, yeah, I'm going to get myself a steak. That's what I was thinking. And then I check in. And the kitchen's closed. I shit you not, the kitchen's closed. It's like something that you might seem unbelievable, something you might not believe is true, but I shit you not, folks, that kitchen was closed. Yeah. (sighs) We often use it to add emphasis to a statement or a story like a tag. You know, like, I saw UFO last night. I shit you not. You can use it at the start of the sentence. I shit you not. I really did win the lottery last week. And that's just letting a person know that you are telling them the 100% truth. So you can use it at the start. I generally use it at a tag, as a tag, you know, at the end of a sentence or a statement. It's like, um, I don't know, I'll be giving exam results to my students soon. And I'm going to be like, yo, man, you failed. I shit you not, you're going to repeat the semester. Although I'm not going to say it like that, let's be honest. That's how you get to lose your job. Um, Alright, moving on to dick around. Uh, So it's very offensive, it's very vulgar, I personally love it. And um, it refers to when someone is deliberately wasting your time. You know, they're behaving in a foolish or aimless way or unproductive manner. And they're like, you feel they're wasting your time. That is to dick you around. It is, of course, not suitable for the workplace or job interviews or something. But I used it in my story like the airline were dicking us around. You know, they, they kept saying that you're going to leave in an hour. Your flight will leave in 20 minutes or come back in an hour for us or something along those lines. So they were dicking us around. They were not being productive. They were not being helpful. I felt like they were wasting our time. They were not giving us a straight answer. So to dick a person around is very negative. It means you're wasting a person's time and you're behaving in a foolish or aimless or unproductive way. Um, If you're at work, and you're not working very hard, your boss might come in and say, quit dicking around and do some work. That was something that one of my old bosses would say. I used to work at a garage. I've had many jobs. And in the garage, it um, the language is quite vulgar, as you can imagine. You know, you're working on cars, you're getting filthy, all that sort of stuff. There's a phrase to swear like a trucker. And uh, my boss definitely swore like a trucker, 100%. And he'd come in, oh, look at you three all dicking around again. Get the fucking work. It's like, what the fuck am I paying you for? Quit dicking around and shit. So he would say it in a lighthearted way. 
but you could use it in a serious way too. You know, if you don't stop dicking around, you're fucking fired. So if you don't stop wasting time or being unproductive, you're fucking fired. Dick around. Love it. Um, I mentioned a long shot, how um, it's unlikely that something will happen. You know, winning the lottery is a long shot, but I still bought a ticket just in case. Do you do the lottery? You know it's a long shot that you're going to win, right? You know it's like virtually impossible. The Rugby World Cup is on this year. Ireland are currently world number one. However, I believe it's a long shot that we'll win the tournament. I believe it'll be a very long shot. We have a terrible history in Rugby World Cups. Terrible, terrible history. And terrible history for big games. This Irish team is special, but I still believe it's a long shot that we win. I'm jaded. I've been an Irish rugby fan for a long time, and I've seen some terrible defeats when we shouldn't have. So for me, I believe it's a long shot. All right. Son of a gun. Yeah. Son of a gun. You could also say, son of a bitch. Doesn't make a difference in this case. It is an informal expression, obviously, used to express surprise or admiration when referring to a person. You know? It's like, oh, that son of a gun. He did it. And that's a positive way. Ugh, that son of a gun. I can't believe he did it. Negative way. So it really does depend on the context and the tone of the speaker. So it's like, oh, that son of a gun, yeah, he's around here somewhere. That's neutral, you know, it's not positive, not negative. So we use it when we want to express admiration or praise for someone. Well, that son of a gun there, he's a really good guy. You know, maybe I'll be looking at my students' essays and I'll see a fantastic essay. Be like, God damn, that son of a gun did it. You know, I'm really happy in that situation. Or maybe I'll be like, God damn, none of these sons of guns did it. That's a negative way. So it just depends on the tone of the speaker and the context of the situation. And I mentioned how that son of a gun who was sitting beside me um, had strong connections to the town Ahagawer. So I was like, that son of a gun, his uncle was from Ahagawer. My father is from Ahagawer. So... Yeah, in that case, it was using admiration. You know, he's a cool son of a gun. That's a fact. So son of a gun, a way to express surprise or admiration to a person can be used negatively or positively. Just depends on the context and the tone of the speaker. Now, folks, we're going to wrap it up with this little lesson. It's a small world. You may not believe me when I say when you're Irish, it's always a small world. But let me tell you about the time I lived in Norway. My very first teaching job was in a town called Yilo. G-E-I-L-O. Look it up. Tiny little village in the mountains. My sister and my mother came to visit me. And we went on vacation to a little tiny, tinier village called Flum. F-L-A-M is the spelling. Flum is easily one of the most beautiful and picturesque places I've ever been. And I'm living in Canada, folks, and I still say Flum is just amazing, magical, gorgeous. Tiny village situated in the valley. You need to take a gorgeous train ride down into the village from top up at the mountain down to the bottom. It's a valley that was carved out by a glacier. And there's a fjord there. Fjord. F. J-O-R-D. 
fjord. And a fjord is a long, deep, narrow body of water that reaches far inland. Fjords are often like in a U-shape or something. You know, it's a giant glacier that travels over the land for centuries, maybe, and eventually melts. And fjords can be found in Norway, Chile, New Zealand, Canada, Greenland, US. There's one in Ireland, would you believe? And, you know, you can take a boat tour of a fjord and it is 100% worth it. So, fjord, look it up. Maybe you're living in a country with fjords. I'm not sure. Either way, if you ever get an opportunity to go to a fjord, I would strongly recommend it. One of these natural beauties of the world. So, we're in this tiny village. Population of 350 people. And we go to the local bar and restaurant. Now, you know, we didn't drink a lot because in Norway, one beer is about $20. Uh, So we had one each. And uh, we got talking to the barman. And of course, as soon as he spoke, we knew that son of a gun was Irish. However, we didn't know exactly from where he's from. So it turns out, this motherfucker, working in a remote Norwegian village, population of 350 people, off the beaten track, working in the bar, is from the exact same motherfucking town that we are. He grew up in Sligo. That is a prime example of when you can use the idiom, it's a small world. And good luck beating that one, folks. Good luck. Like, we are talking remote village. Like, you get off a train, you hop on another train to get there. You're down the bottom of a mountain and there's only 350 people there, and the barman is from the same fucking town as you. Now that is a small world. All right, to revise my story so far, I get to Vancouver. My friend is unavailable to hang out, so, you know, I just sleep in the airport. I'm awoken by a rude woman. I get to Chicago. I sprint through Chicago airport and knock over a few people on the way. I get to my gate with 20 minutes to spare because there was a minor delay. The delay gets extended. I end up in a bar with a load of Irish people. The delay gets extended again. South African man getting angry. Thought he's going to start fighting someone. The delay gets extended again. The girls start to cry. Passengers are kept in the dark about what is happening. Flight gets cancelled. Put up in a hotel. Get to the hotel. Restaurant closed. Go to bed. Starving. Emotional. Scream into my pillow. I'm a mess. Wake up and get the worst breakfast sandwich ever. I honestly thought about bringing the sandwich to hospital. It was that bad. (sighs) That's a fucking journey. And still, I'm in North America. You know, at this stage, I was meant to be having breakfast with my aunt in Dublin. My aunt was in Dublin. She lives in the USA. And uh, as it turned out, we were going to overlap in Dublin for about 12 hours. And our plan was to have breakfast together and then have lunch together, and then I'd go back to my hometown. I haven't seen my aunt in several years, due to all the crazy stuff that's gone on over the last couple of years. And now I've missed that. Yeah, I'm still pissed. I'm still emotional. I should be in Dublin. I should be with my wife. I should be on Irish soil. But I'm still in motherfucking Chicago. All right, folks, that is part three of Murphy's Law. I genuinely thought I'd be able to get this done in three episodes, but obviously I can't because there's definitely more of this story to go. 
Murphy's Law is everything that can go wrong will go wrong. And, you know, a lot of things have gone wrong thus far, but I'm not, I haven't even left the continent. I haven't even entered Eastern Standard Time. I'm in the middle of the USA. I could have driven to Chicago in that time, but I took a two flight. I took a flight to get there. I was delayed in the airport for 10 hours. Woke up cranky, ready to rock and roll to Dublin or to Miami and then Dublin. So you're going to have to wait. I'm going to keep you on ice. And part four of Murphy's Law will be out soon. Ladies and gentlemen, dogs and cats, humans, aliens, whatever you are. Thank you for listening. I hope you're happy. I hope you're healthy. And we will catch up very, very soon. Bye for now.